We are continuing our journey through Lent and our symbolic journey towards Jerusalem. As each week passes, we find ourselves growing closer and closer to the holy city and the events that would change the world forever. And while Jesus has turned his face towards Jerusalem, there are still very real and many everyday things that are happening to him and his followers. There is still so much for him to teach and for them to learn. Jesus may or may not know exactly how this journey ends, but he does know that there isn't that much time left. Whether or not the disciples are picking up on this isn't exactly clear. Given their track record, I think it might be safe to assume that they have no idea what is coming. But maybe for just today, we give them the benefit of the doubt, and we say that the disciples have noticed a subtle shift in Jesus' behavior and in his mannerisms, and that they suddenly feel a growing sense of urgency to protect and serve Jesus. In Luke chapter 13, some Pharisees warn Jesus that Herod is looking for him, and Jesus replies with a very snarky and somewhat sarcastic, tell Herod that I don't have time for him today or tomorrow or the next day. But I imagine that on top of this increasing sense of impending doom that Jesus may be feeling, he now also has to be careful and to be aware of his surroundings because the ruler of the area has placed a target right on his back. Needless to say, Jesus is caring and dealing with a lot. In the beginning of chapter 18, he shares two different parables. The first is about a persistent widow who refuses to let an unjust judge off the hook until the judge does the right thing. The second parable is about a pompous Pharisee who is pretending to be pious and prayerful when really he's doing the praying while gossiping and making yourself look good thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? God, I just pray that you will convict Matthew and the tax collector to return all of the money he has stealing. Lord, we lift up David as he breaks your holy laws and acts on his impure thoughts for his neighbor's wife. And God, I pray that everyone will be as devoted of a servant as I am, that they will fast as often as I do and give as much money to the temple as I do. God, all glory be to me for the glory I give to you. Amen. These two parables are about adults and leaders who are completely missing the point when it comes to how they should treat others and how they should act. And so Jesus is trying to teach those who are gathered with him a little something about humility. And while we don't know how many people were with Jesus, I can imagine that word spread pretty quickly that he was in the area. And all of a sudden, people start bringing their infants and their children to Jesus. And because the disciples are wary of what is going to happen and who is coming close to Jesus right now, they spring into action and they form a barrier between the parents and the children and Jesus. Jesus is teaching important things here. There's no place for children. They're going to be in the way, and they're going to make too much noise, and they're going to distract us while we're trying to listen. Jesus doesn't have time for Herod, 
What makes you think that he has time for children? Take them away. And we all know what happens next. You might even have a picture of it in your mind. There's murals painted on the walls of church nurseries and on the covers of children's Bibles everywhere. Jesus pushes the disciples aside and opens his arms and says, Let the children come to me. Don't turn them away. The kingdom of God belongs to those like them. We should all become like children so that we can understand God's kingdom. What a sweet story. So simple to understand. Clearly, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is meant for even the youngest among us. That's why we have child dedications and a children's sermon every week and a worship wagon with age-appropriate activities to help children sit quietly through worship. We at First Baptist are doing a great job of welcoming children, right? Clearly, we know exactly what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Well, I hate to break it to you, but as per usual, this is not exactly what Jesus is talking about. I mean, sure, if Jesus showed up to our church today and walked through the door, I'm sure that he would affirm all of the ways we welcome children in our church. But I'm also sure he would have some pointers on how we could be doing things a little bit better when it comes to welcoming children. But this passage isn't just about children. The language that Jesus uses tells us that. There are three words or phrases that we should pay attention to. The first is such as these, the second is belongs, and the third word is receives. All of these words have something to teach us about the kingdom of God. In verse 16, Jesus doesn't mean that the kingdom of God belongs only to children. Jesus means that the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like children. So who are the people that are like children that Jesus is talking about? It's important to remember that we are reading this passage with 21st century eyes and not 1st century eyes. And so there are a few cultural and contextual differences that help us understand what Jesus is saying here. In this time period, children were viewed as not yet people in society. That is to say that they didn't have any power or authority or status, and therefore they didn't have a high social standing. In terms of their place in the social hierarchy, historical sociologists say that children were on the same level as slaves and servants. There weren't a lot of protections in place for them outside of their own immediate family. They certainly weren't placed in the center of society and, in fact, were more often found out at the margins. It's not that children weren't loved or cherished or cared for. It's just that this society was indifferent towards them because they didn't have anything to offer or contribute to the larger community. So when a group of parents shows up to bring their children to Jesus, it makes sense that the disciples push them away. How many times in the Gospels do we read about people in need coming to Jesus or calling out to him and the disciples trying to silence those people or literally push them back to the margins where they think those people and children belong? It happens over and over again. 
But over and over again, Jesus silences the disciples and pushes the societal norms out of the way and makes room for the children to come to him. Children who are sick, people who are blind, those who are lonely, all are greeted by Jesus with open arms and an opportunity for blessing. Not only are they invited to come close to Jesus, but they are the ones who belong in the kingdom of heaven. And so now that we know how children were viewed in society then, it makes it easier, easier for us to understand that children were a symbol for anyone who had a social status that rendered them as not fully deserving of anyone else's attention, which then makes it easier for us to apply this to our context for today. We don't have to think very long about who belongs in this kingdom of God that Jesus is describing. The list is long, which is not necessarily a good thing, because if Jesus is saying that those that society ignores and pushes to the side are the ones to which the kingdom of heaven belongs, it means that we are failing at our job of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. It means that we are not doing our part to take care of the sick, to visit the lonely, to provide food for the hungry and clothes for the naked. It means that we are deciding who is worthy of being accepted and loved, when instead we should be accepting and loving people the same way that God does. It means putting aside our own judgments and assumptions and frustrations and actually seeing the person in front of us as a child of God who deserves to be fully known and fully cared for, and then taking it one step further and doing what we can to make sure that they are no longer ignored, but instead are given a chance to be welcomed into community and to know that it is because we are loved by God that we in turn love others in the same way. Over the past couple of months, there seems to be this increasing awareness and energy forming in the community of Waynesboro among faith leaders and community leaders and community members about finding ways to care for our neighbors who are in need. From our neighbors who experience homelessness to those who need financial assistance for utilities and rent, those who are struggling to find food to support themselves and their families, those who are in the midst of mental health crises or struggling with substance abuse, there is an incredible need among our neighbors who live in and are a part of Waynesboro and Augusta County. The list of those in need is increasing every single day. And unfortunately, the list of resources that are available to support and to help these folks is not increasing. In fact, it's shrinking. Many of the benefits that have been given by local, state, and federal governments that have been available for years, or even just the last few years during the pandemic, are decreasing and changing and disappearing entirely. The rising costs of housing and food are impacting all of us, but especially those who are on fixed incomes and or, are, or come, have limited incomes. Recently, we learned that some of the food assistance programs available to folks who need it are being reduced, which means that finding food that is healthy and good is going to be even more difficult. 
Access to affordable and quality medical and mental health care is diminishing rapidly, but illnesses and mental health crises are increasing at a rapid rate. I think we are starting to realize how the long-term and somewhat unexpected effects of a worldwide pandemic are impacting us as individuals, as a community, and as a nation. There are ways that First Baptist helps in these areas. We have a fund that is used to help those who need financial assistance. We contribute financially to organizations that are providing direct care. We collect items and we volunteer for nonprofits. Many of you serve on the boards of these organizations and nonprofits, or you volunteer with your own time and make your own donations. But just like Jesus would show up and tell us that there are probably things we can do better when it comes to welcoming children, Jesus would probably show up and tell us that there are many things we can be doing better when it comes to addressing and meeting the needs of those in our own community. Our Mission Action Committee is having regular conversations about the ways that we can help support those in Waynesboro, and we will be inviting you to be a part of those conversations in the days and weeks ahead. There is energy and momentum in the Waynesboro and Augusta County communities that are working together to meet the needs of our neighbors, and our church is actively involved in these conversations and we will be sharing more about them as opportunities arise. I say all of this because this is exactly what and who Jesus was talking about in our passage for today. Jesus was saying that these are the people who make up the kingdom of heaven, those who have no status or power or influence. They are the ones who belong and will be found there. And so now that we know who belongs in the kingdom of heaven, we turn to the last word that Jesus emphasizes, which is about receiving the kingdom of heaven like a child, which may lead us to ask, how do we receive the kingdom? And here is where I think Jesus is specifically talking about children. These children have interrupted and interfered with a situation that the disciples thought needed to look and feel a certain way. Children are really good at interrupting and interfering. It's these moments where children burst through the attempted sense of control that we as adults try to have that are some of my favorites. Whether it's walking into the home office while you're on an important Zoom meeting or making a noise at the exact right moment that a poignant thing was said in a church service or saying something out loud and public that makes you as a parent want to crawl into a hole and hide, Children don't always behave or act in a way that fits into our structured expectations of them. And I love these moments. Now I realize I'm saying this as someone who doesn't have a child <laughs> and who has not been mortified by the actions of my offspring. Although I do have several hours worth of outtakes from recording online worship videos during the pandemic when my dog thought that he needed to partake of communion or participate in the children's sermon, I say all of these things to say that the thing that I love about children is that they help us remember that interruptions are opportunities. They are opportunities for us to try again. When children come to Jesus and they are met with the wall of disciples turning them away, Jesus uses it as a teaching moment and as a chance to say to the disciples, 
think again. What if we receive the kingdom of God in the same way? When we mess up, what if instead of blaming ourselves or blaming someone else, we act like a parent who is helping their child learn to walk and we say, that's okay, get up and try again. What if when we encounter something that doesn't align with Christ's message of love and acceptance and justice, we ask the question, why, over and over and over again, like a toddler that is not willing to settle for the first and easiest answer? What if we welcomed the kingdom of God with reckless abandon, the same way that children leap off of swing sets or climb the tallest trees? What if we don't let fear hold us back, but instead we believe that we can truly change the world because the world hasn't told us that's impossible yet? What if we learn from our teenagers who aren't afraid to ask hard questions and who no longer are willing to settle for the way things have always been because that doesn't mean that things are the way they should be? What would happen if we as adults let ourselves think like a child and in turn would teach our children what it truly means to be a part of the work of God's kingdom here on earth? This past weekend, I traveled up to D.C. and went to the Kennedy Center and saw the musical Into the Woods. And at the very end of the show, a father who has experienced more hurt and more chaos and more crises than you can imagine is trying to figure out how to tell his infant son the story of what is happening in the world. The ensemble starts to sing, and they say... Careful the things you say, children will listen. Careful the things you do, children will see and learn. Children may not obey, but children will listen. Children will look to you for which way to turn, to learn what to be. Careful before you say, listen to me, children will listen. We all know that children are always paying attention, always listening and learning, even when we don't think they are. While Jesus is trying to, to, is telling us to receive the kingdom of God like a child, we need to remember that as adults, we are shaping and forming the beliefs and actions of the children around us. Children listen and look and learn from our behavior. It's a full circle moment of us learning to be open and free like children so then we can teach children how to welcome and love all of those who are a part of God's kingdom. This relationship of learning from one another and working together for the greater good is what truly will bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. When we receive the kingdom of heaven like a child with unrestrained eagerness and an innocent optimism and belief that we can indeed transform the circumstances of those around us and can move from a place of vulnerability to security, there's no telling how Jesus will show up through us in the world. If we truly believe that we can change the world and make it a true representation of the kingdom of heaven here on earth, then it allows the spirit to move and to work in ways that we can't even imagine yet. And if we as adults live our lives with the freedom and openness that we see in the hearts and minds of children, then God can do incredible things. 
We just have to be willing to get out of the way and to let God, our parent, get to work in us, through us, and through the eyes of a child.